Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I want to speak tonight about... None of that was in my message, by the way. I just got carried away. (laughs) I want to speak tonight about asking in faith. How to ask for something by faith. Jesus gives another one of these annoying scriptures. In Matthew 22, verse 36, he says this. Matthew 22, verse 36. He says, teacher. This is one of the uh, people who are following um, Pharisees. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Sorry, that's not the one I'm reading. That's a, that was this morning. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty-two. That's why I was confused. Mark eleven twenty-two. This is... Jesus speaking to his disciples. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. It's quite profound, isn't it? For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So let's create this scenario. There's there's something you're believing God for. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a a health thing. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's that special someone. So (laughs) maybe it's that person that you haven't met yet. Maybe it's there's many things that you're believing God for. That impossible thing that you can't create yourself. And so... You're praying for this thing and you're believing but your experience of the thing you're praying for is you have a history of not getting it. You with me here? You've got a history. You've got a track. This is not the first time you've asked for this. This is kind of like the record that's stuck. You come with it. So you come for There's a thing that you're seeing in your mind and you're going, I'm asking for this. But you carry with you a history, a baggage, a weight of disappointment. And then you read the scripture. And Jesus says, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> he goes, he goes, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. And and we we fudge over that bit, don't we? But believes those things he says will be done. I'm fudging over the doubt bit because I've got a history that's speaking to me almost as loud as the thing, in in fact, louder than the thing that I'm praying for. You with me here? So you're praying for something here. It's in your future. You haven't seen it. But you've got a history of things behind you that you have seen. And these things are speaking to you much more loudly than the thing which you're crying out for, the heart aches for. You with me now? And you're standing in between the things you have filed in and the thing that you cry out for. And Jesus says, don't doubt in your heart. Well, that would be nice, but (laughs) how do I deal with that? 
Because that's the doubt. I see, I've never met anyone that's ever prayed for something and, and then said, I'm praying, but I'm not believing. I, mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, that would be unusual to meet anyone who's praying that. I mean, sure, it, prob- it possibly does happen. Somebody might be just covering all their bases. <laughs> I pray a prayer, you never know. That's the irony. Actually, some people get saved doing that. That's what's so funny. But on most occasions, right, most people who are praying are earnestly praying because this is, they're looking earnestly at this. Even if they're trying desperately to ignore that. That which is behind them. And what happens is that doubting, as they're praying, when you're praying but you have the history of what's behind you here, it clouds over your ability to see what you're asking for so that you are not able to believe that you've received it before you've got it. Jesus says, believe that you've received it before it's happened. The Bible says, In Psalms 37, let me go, I've got it written down as a side note in this message. Psalm Psalm 37, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. See, the desires of your heart are found in the delighting in the things where you move into the land that God has given you. If you step into the land... So this is, this is where God's called me to be. I know I've received it, and you receive it. Now, I've experienced that, but I've experienced a lot more of praying for things that I didn't get than I have of things... Are you with me here? We've seen extraordinary miracles of just praying and believing, knowing it's coming from the Father. The things that we've received, I'm receiving it by faith, we receive it by faith, and we get it, I know I'm living in it, there are certain things that I know I've settled. I preached a message last year, October last year, I encourage you to listen to it again. It's called living in the goodness of God, and your ability to faith, to pray in faith, is reflective of your ability to understand the goodness of God. All right. If you understand, if if you've won the victory in knowing God's goodness, <laughs> it's uh, that's exactly it. If you know the goodness of God in any area of your life, then you'll have absolute confidence that that's what God will do for you. Are you with me? But how do you get to know that goodness? How do you ask in faith? Because James says, in James chapter 4, he says, you, you ask, but you do not receive, because you ask amiss. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, you are asking for things that you may spend it on your pleasures, for it is enmity to have friendliness with the world. And here we go, this, 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 this great battle that that goes on in our heart, that we ask for things, but we we don't get them because the motivation of our asking is coming out of the sensual nature of our soul and not the spirit of faith that flows out of your heart. Are you with me here? I'm I'm laying out a problem for you so that that you, you understand, that I understand the full complexity of your human condition. 
Alright, because I, I need you to understand tonight how to ask by faith. Alright, because it is a technical, not just motivational concept. Alright? I, I don't need to motivate you to ask by faith. I need you to understand how the theological, scriptural, technical process it works because we're going to unlock an extraordinary explosion of prayer and faithful receiving of the things of heaven. Are you with me here? We're going to, we're going to unleash something in the realm of the spirit by understanding this concept. Now, I said Jesus had spoken. And when he's asking these things, so how do, how do we know? Philip is challenging our motivation. What's driving us? Here's where it starts. John chapter 15, I'm coming to this, sorry, John chapter 14. I'm coming to this situation that I started off with at the beginning. Philip is speaking to Jesus. And Jesus is saying that he's going to the Father. And the disciples are all a bit unsettled. They don't like this. They're enjoying the journey, the, they, they've enjoyed the miracles and the, the great meetings, the, they've enjoyed watching the Pharisees getting a verbal kicking, and uh, just the, the breakdown of those power strongholds and the way Jesus has given a voice to the voiceless and, and, and given honour to those who have no respect and, and, and loved those who are loveless and and given respect to those who have been rejected. They're just living in this extraordinary revival. And, and, and Jesus is, is now speaking that it's all going to change. That he's going somewhere else. And they don't want him to go anywhere. And he's going to go to the Father. And, and Philip says this. He said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is sufficient for us. And Jesus, he's kind of... If you can say Jesus was offended, this was a moment, right? I know, I don't think you can, but... But he, he, he wasn't, if it wasn't offended, he was certainly ticked. He was ticked with him, all right? Can you annoy God? Yes. Here is evidence. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Alright, so Jesus is revealing, the only way he is Jesus, the only way he can do this, is because he is in the Father, and the Father in him, and he's speaking with the authority of the Father, and the works that Jesus is doing, is actually the Father doing it. You with me? I'm going to cough. <coughs> Excuse me, I can feel that one coming up. Give me forewarning. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Then he gets to the description. Look at this. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. This is where the kicker comes in. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, Jesus, we often go to the end of that scripture where Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do. But the believing in Jesus, the greater works, is held in our understanding of who Jesus is. Not in our understanding of the need for the thing we're asking for. You with me? See, let's say you're asking... Let's just think of something stupid. Right, let's say you're asking for a million pounds. It's a lot of money, isn't it? I think a million pounds is generally out of the reach of most people in this room. Okay? We don't know your financial capabilities of all of you. Some of you might be just a drop in the bucket, but you're keeping it secret. Right. (laughs) You're driving humble cars. (laughs) But really, a million pounds, no problem at all. Anyway, let's assume you need... Not one. You need a million pounds. But it's out of reach. So you go, you read this, and you're, whatever I ask in your name, you will do it for me, Jesus. Because I need, I'm going to Jesus, because he said he'll do it for me, and I ask for a million pounds. Will he get the million pounds? Mm. I've met a lot of people who, who has needed all sorts of things, and they've gone, Jesus, please give it to me don't always get it. So, where's the problem? The problem is motivation. Jesus didn't say, if you have a need. He said, if you know me. If you know me, you can have whatever you ask for. Need isn't the issue. Relationship is the issue. If need was the issue, God would be most powerfully evident, moving so powerfully in the most needy places in the world. And while we see extraordinary miracles in some of the most needy places in the world, they're still the most needy places in the world. So the relationship that all of humanity has with God has got nothing to do with need. It's not need-based. God doesn't move according to your need. Are you with me here? He's not interested in that principle because that is not the issue. The issue is, how do you believe in Jesus? End of story. It is your relationship with him that determines your capability of speaking out anything, of knowing that you will receive it. If I know who Jesus is, Jesus, Jesus said, look, Philip, I've been with you for three years. No, we've walked down the road together. We've, we've played football together. We've held the sick together. We've eaten together. We've done all. You've seen me do things. I mean, I raise up dead people like, like the graveyards are empty. Like now, you've seen all this stuff, even if you don't believe that who I say I am, by the very works themselves, they point back 
to the Father in heaven, if you can't understand that I am Jesus, the Son of God, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, the creator of the universe is in me and I am now going to the Father. If you understand who Jesus is, it is your relationship with him that determines what you can ask for. It's what you see in your conversation. (coughs) Excuse me, I've got this little dry tickle. What you as a husband and wife, husbands and wives in the room, understand this, right? What you do together as a couple is not based on your jobs, it's not based on your financial circumstances, it's not based on anything. It's based on what you agree to together. It's based on that. That alone. Once you've made an agreement, you'll you'll move heaven and earth to do that. Whatever it is, you'll find a way to do what it is you want to do. So it's not need-based, it's relationship-based. It wasn't the the need that drove you to do those things, it was the relationship. Cheryl and I came to Scotland because of what we agreed together. God placed in our hearts to come plant a church, it was... It was entirely based on our relationship. It wasn't, entirely, it wasn't based on anything else. We never had money. Never had the capability. Didn't know anyone here. Everything in the natural world said that was a foolish move. But we did it because of a relationship that we have with each other and a relationship we have with Father God. As we look towards Jesus, who is in the Father and the Father in Him, We just did it, expecting, already receiving, walking in, seeing a church and a church building and everything else that we stepped into. We expected to receive those things and those are the things we received. You understand me? It was entirely relationally based. It wasn't based at all on where the problems were. We faced many, many needs and I've never managed to resolve a need based on praying over the need. I've never managed to do that. I mean, sometimes God will come through. God will come through to rescue you because He needs you to keep. He needs to keep you afloat. But in situations like that, you spend your life just surviving, not prospering. And he didn't call you to prosper. He called you to be an overcomer that turns his world upside down. Who wants to turn this world upside down? We are going to have change. We are training a church here of world changers, of city changers, nation changers. We're training a church to be filled with such supernatural power. They're filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to walk in these things. We've got to understand that we are not here just to survive. We are here to see and understand how to ask from God Not based on our need. I need a million pounds. I need a hundred pounds. I need a job. I need a a relationship. I need a healing. I need need these things resolved. It is not my need for which I come to the Father over. I don't ask for healing because of the sickness. I step into health because of relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? 
It's with Jesus, because I'm stepping in to Jesus. And if you read the New Testament, you discover that Jesus heals those who do not believe, but those who believe are made whole. Now, what's the difference? The difference is there is wholeness for those who are in Christ, and there is healing for specific things for those who are not. Are you with me? One is based... On God meeting a need to point a sign, the other is based on the wholeness of the kingdom coming over your whole being that you are fully filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to bring God's kingdom to this world. Who's getting revelation tonight? I need you to see this because I haven't even got past the intro. Right. Now, If Jesus is saying we can do anything that we ask, that he will do anything that we ask, and it's relationally based and not need-based, who is Jesus I'm having, I've got a relationship with, right? Because that's an that's important thing. The Bible says... In John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word dwelt among us. Verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh. Right? Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. That's a little pre-foundation. It's a foundational principle for this point. Romans chapter 10. Go with me to Romans 10. And verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now, Simba, the word is near, the kingdom of God is near you. Oh, sorry, the word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. It says, right, the word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart, right? It's near you. But the word, and then he goes on, that is the word of faith. Right? It's the word of faith that we changes everything. So the word of faith is in your hearts in your mouth. Verse nine that if you confess in your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. <coughs> the word's in your heart, it's in your mouth. What is the word that's in your heart's in your mouth? Jesus Christ. If you confess Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Right? So, the kingdom of God is near you. The word of God is near you because it's in your mouth. But if you confess him, if you confess what's in your heart, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now listen, I was, I was driving into Aberdeen this week, listening to Radio 4, as is my want. And 
I was listening to this program on the human genome, and they were talking about how the, the whole human genome has been mapped, DNA structure of your entire body has been mapped, and that mapping has created something scientists have called the Book of Life called the Book of Life. Isn't that amazing? They were probably being sarcastic, but it's extraordinary how they glorify God. Right? The DNA is the Book of Life. And here's the thing, Simba, here's the thing right? with the Book of Life. If ever there was ever any problem with your health or your need, supposing for some reason you donated half your liver. Right? I don't know whether you would. But I have some good reason why you would do that. The, the, the rest of your liver will go... Oh, I don't know. I, I preferred it when I was a whole liver, not a half a liver. And it would regrow. Right? Because it has that DNA capability. But before it has that DNA capability, it has to go, oh, what cells do I need to regrow? I know what I do. I'll go back to the book of life and I will check. And the book of life will tell me what needs to grow. The Word of God is in your heart. The Word of God, Boaz, is in your heart. The Word of God is in your heart. The Word of God is in your heart. The Word is the Word of life. So if we want to ask, you see, our asking, what do we ask for? If the prayer, if it's not based on my need, what do I ask for? If it's based on my relationship, what do I ask for? Well, I know what I'll ask for. I'll go back to the word of life and I'll check there. Because whatever is in the word of life will give me the answer and give me the things that I need to grow. Because your DNA will always provide the answer for life because that's what it has called to do. The Word of God will always give you the answer to life because that's what it is called to do. So whatever I need according to the Word of God, well, according to the kingdom, whatever I need in God, I will be able to do all things that God has called me to do. I will do greater things that God has called me to do if I can walk closely with Jesus Christ and come back to Him and go, Lord, what is the Word that you've placed in my heart? The Word is Jesus Christ. I confess you, Jesus, and now within my heart I speak over because suddenly we're now no longer speaking according to our need, but we're speaking according to His promise. And when we start speaking according to His promise, we're no longer motivated to give God the answer that we think He should do for us. Because the biggest problem with our asking is we've already decided before we prayed what it is that God should be doing. Because we've resolved the problem. We've gone, well, that's the problem. What we need is this. But God wants to do something else. He, he actually wants to solve the problem. He, he doesn't want some amateur on the job telling him what to do. <laughs> he wants a precision artist to step in and speak creatively what he has spoken over your life. That the word, you see, we've got to start speaking what the word says that he has put in your heart. There is a word which has been put 
in your heart. If you put, speak out what the word is, it is the word of life that God has put in your heart. That's when you speak it, confess it. You won't have any problem doubting you'll receive it because you're already living in the thing that you've seen. The reason we struggle to believe for the thing that we, the need that we're praying for because of the history of our failure is because we've created a solution and gone, well, I have a need. I need a million pounds. This is what I need, a million pounds. But God isn't asking you to pray for a million pounds, he's asking you to speak out over a business that you haven't even thought of yet because it flows out of your heart that will provide you with many millions of pounds. And we're just thinking about the money pot, but God is thinking about the flow of provision. See, God shifts the, the focus and he, he's not interested if, if you just want God to give you stuff, you'll be for, you're just, it's just called being a beggar. Beggars who live on the street always live in the lack. You always live in lack. It doesn't matter. It's always lack. It's always need, current need. I need this now. Just begging from God. We are not beggars from God. We are co-workers in the kingdom of God. We have been called and equipped um, to be um, supplied with every good need. Every good thing that God has given us to supply every need that we are able to do all that he has called us to do. There is an incredible work that is flowing out of this house. An impartation of faith that is flowing through from this platform that God is touching and inspiring. Let's... Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.